0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Pirates Recap. I'm Ryan Henry, joined alongside Justin Osterwick and Joe Morales. Today we are previewing the 2023 Beast champion Seton Hall softball team. Before we get into this week's episode, Justin, Joe, how are we doing today? I'm good, Hen. Glad to be on. It's
1: time to talk some softball. I hope everyone's enjoying this summer. It's been great so far.
2: Yeah, I can't complain. It's been an awesome summer so far. Can't wait to talk about this great softball team that we really got to sit in and really watch firsthand all year and see their remac- just tremendous run um through the postseason, through the regular season, and then to the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, I mean, we got to see a lot firsthand. I was at the Big East Championship, and then, Joe, you got to go to Texas for the NCAA softball tournament, which we'll talk a bit more a bit later on. but. Just overall, before we kind of get into the weeds of everything, what are your overthought, overall thoughts on the season? What really stood out to you? Kind of give me quick impressions of the team.
1: What, what stood out to me was the jump that half of this roster had compared to 2021, compared to 2022. Uh, you look at the first year of Vanity Churchill. It was, let's call it, not as good as what went on this year. And the jump... That players like Shelby Smith made, like Kelsey Carr made, like Abby Wingle, almost a 400 hitter this year. The jump from half the players on the team, that was the reason why they played so well. So if you start with Angie Churchill, the, the jump she made to becoming one of the premier coaches in the Big East was huge. And the players on the roster too, when everybody is playing their best and giving 100% effort. I know Justin, you can attest to this in, 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 in your sport with, with swimming. When everyone's vibing and it's great, it produces wins. And that's what happened with the softball team this year.
2: Yeah, Joe, I, I couldn't agree with you more um with your take, but I, I think one thing that I saw that and really impressed me was really getting to see Kelsey Carr play a full season. We haven't seen her play a full season with injuries and stuff like that. And we really saw her dominance like put on a show throughout this whole year. And all their stars really putting on a show. Abby Wingo uh, going nuts almost hitting 400 on the year uh Shelby Smith Taylor Hill I and mean, the list goes on and on and on so just seeing some like individual standouts especially I'm going to highlight Kelsey Carr here coming back from injury and having both dominating dominating performances on the mound and um or in the circle I should say and at the plate
0: yeah I mean I think one I'll take a bit uh I mean kind of backing what you said Joe the fact that you know, you took, look at this team, not a really whole lot change, especially, you know, from the 2022-23 season. They did add, it did add a couple of freshmen, probably most notably Andrea Perez, who played that shortstop role. It was every day. It was the everyday shortstop, but they didn't add a whole new influx of talent, but the leap they just took as a team was tremendous. And also talking about the quick turnaround Coach Churchill made her the last season before she came in in 2021, the Pirates had won nine games. This year, they turned it around and won over 40, 42 to be exact. They quad, they over tripled their win total, or over quadrupled their win total, excuse me. And it's just amazing what has happened in the two year turnaround since Coach Churchill has took over the team. They obviously won their first Big East championship in almost 20 years. So that was obviously great as well. But just the quick, the turnaround that Churchill has been able to make has been absolutely astonishing. So. I want to talk about the season turnaround because the team finished forty-two and eighteen, but really, you know, going into the first what quarter of the schedule, I'd like to say, they were below five hundred. They were seven and nine. They lost the black and gold tournament. They went winless in that. They, you know, they won two they were three and two in the pinnacle tournament. They split a series against Army. They went down to Texas where they had, they went two and three as well. And then they lost to UConn, who would end up being the number one seed in the Big East, uh, tournament and had the, were the Big East regular season champs, but they were seven and nine. And then they just happened to flip a switch somewhere around, you know, really right after that UConn series, uh, in the middle of March and would obviously end up finishing the season on a ridiculous tear. So can you guys just break down that, that? mids that early season turnaround to go from, you know, an average team to the best in the Big East over the next two months.
1: See, and I think it actually starts with the Texas Tech win back on March 4th. And that was in the Memorial Classic, like you said, when you can prove to yourself that you can beat a big school like Texas Tech, that, you know, it gives you a big jolt. Now, they struggle against UConn, like you said, but then coming back home, and I remember it was the doubleheader against Manhattan seen Hall swept that doubleheader on March 15th. It was after that Manhattan doubleheader when they won those two games that this team really took off. And I really do think that it was coming back after beating a team like Texas Tech and then after struggling against the the powerhouse that is UConn. I mean, Hen, you saw it up in, in stores how good UConn can be when they're all playing well and they're on. They're one of the premier schools in the Big East. So when you go through the highs and lows of a season but you prove to yourself that you can play with the best of the best that absolutely helps you and you saw it like I said in the Hatton series Seton Hall did not look back after that there were not many times this year where Seton Hall would lose back to back games uh you know like you said they start seven to nine and coming after that Texas Tech and UConn series that's when they took off and it really really does jolt you when you can beat a good team
2: and Joe, you took my exact point. Playing a Big 12 team and being able to beat them, uh, is definitely a jolt of energy. But I can, that and like, okay, you lost to Rutgers 3 and 2. They're not a Big 10 powerhouse, but it's a Big 10 school. You're playing a bigger school that you could say has bigger and a lot, a wider range of talent, a talent gap that they can find more talent because of the Big 10 school. And losing that game in extras 3 to 2, that could also be a jolt of saying, Hey, we can play with some of these bigger teams, better teams. Um, that UConn series, that first one, tough, but that's your first Big East tournament play with your whole team. Like I said earlier, watching Kelsey Carr come back from an injury, uh, this year, that was just her first Big East play in a while. Um, and really just kind of developing what fit best for this team and really getting thrown into the fire with playing the best Big East team, uh, that first weekend. It's always tough. And then really just getting to prove themselves. Um, with that Manhattan series, that doubleheader and then going into Georgetown and really, really that when I saw them take two of three from Georgetown, that's when I kind of knew this team has potential of being really, really good, even though they lost that last game 10 to one, but you knew there was some m- momentum building and it was just exciting to watch through then.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the Texas Tech win was huge. I think it was their first win against a Big 12 school. In a while, and I remember after they'd won that game, you know, I was talking to Matt Ambers, who was the, who's the guy who ran the um, he's the SID for the softball team. And I remember he was saying uh when we were up in UConn that that they were so sh- that you know, excluding obviously the Big East championship, they were that was one of the most excited they were they were for a win because you look at the Big Twelve. Obviously, Texas Tech isn't wasn't at the top of the Big Twelve, but you look at the Big Twelve overall, overall as a conference. It's arguably, or not arguably, it is them and the SEC as the two powerhouse conferences in uh, the world of softball. And the fact that you're able to take a game against Texas Tech, you know, and get that first first Big 12 win under Curtis Churchill and first Big 12 win in program history for in multiple years was big accomplishment. And I really think the turning point probably came, obviously they won two or three in Georgetown. They, that's when they really started rallying off Big East wins. But the fact that they were able to go to Creighton, who, you know, most years were one of the better teams in the Big East in terms of softball. They went into Creighton and they just dominated in Omaha. They they swept that entire series, outscoring them by a total of 21 to 9. The only game that was really close was that second doubleheader, uh, the second doubleheader on that Saturday, March 12th game. And then really from there, everything just started clicking and the stat I, I found out, Joe, you said they hadn't lost back to back. They lost back to back to UConn. It would take them more than two or more than a month and a half for them to lose two straight games in a row when they played Villanova at the end of the regular season against, uh, up in, um in South Orange. So that just showed you the stretch of dominance this team had from really, you know, middle March to, you know, May when they won the big East, but I want to focus now. On the Big East tournament. So, providing some context, you know, obviously, Seen Hall was surging at the end of the season. They had a chance to earn the number two seed in the Big East tournament, but they ended up dropping that final game to Butler. Uh, so then they dropped from two to three. They didn't get that bye. So they ended up playing that first day of the Big East championship. And, you know, it's kind of crazy thinking about it now because obviously Seen Hall won the Big East championship and won every game, they didn't have to play, you know, they didn't lose it all in the biggest championship, but they were so close in that DePaul game, they were six outs away from being sent to the elimination bracket, uh, being sent to the elimination bracket, uh, in the first, in the first round, they were down 4 nothing, top of the six or hitting the bottom of the six, and then obviously, you know, came up, the Pirates came up clutch, Kelsey Carter, three-run homer, and then ended up walking it off in the seventh, but, Overall, that was, you know, the Seattle Pirates played their best softball uh their entire year in that tournament. But I just want to specifically spotlight that moment just because it puts in respect of how the rest of the tournament went out. So what were your guys overall thoughts on the Big East tournament? Obviously, they won it all. But what really stood out to you most?
1: What stood out to me was the the perseverance for that Big East tournament. And and like you said, Hen, I, I'll never forget. It's one of those moments I'll never forget when they're playing DePaul. I was in my car. I was driving and I was listening to you guys when you're up in stores and that sixth inning comes around and Seton Hall's down four nothing. And it was I don't know if you guys thought this in the booth, but at least me. I, this is a team that fought through adversity all year long. Uh, the, 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 the FDU come back, the rider come back. This is, no lead was too big for the Seton Hall Pirates this year. So when they're down 4 nothing to the ball in the first game of the Big East tournament, in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, you know, well, this is not really that big compared to the things they've done before. I think they can come back and win this one. And of course, they have that big sixth inning. You guys had a great call. It was fantastic. And they didn't look back after that. And that's what stood out to me was how they were six outs from going to the loser bracket. And then after that, I mean, they beat Villanova. I know they took them to extra innings, but they beat they beat Villanova by by three. They beat Yukon by two, and then they beat Villanova again by five. So as the tournament went on, the team got stronger and stronger and stronger. And you almost knew that it was destiny and Seton Hall was going to win this thing. That's how I felt when I was watching and listening to you guys during the tournament.
2: Yeah, Joe, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Some of those games, me and you, Joe, got to be in the studio and watch those games and so we got to stress a little bit at times, but we had a yeah. lot of confidence in the studio. Uh I think the biggest memory I have is in that UConn game because I got lucky enough. We were we were practicing at the pool um for some off season stuff and they put it on the big screen at school and everyone was watching the game on FS two and we were I was listening on the way back. I was always in it. But I think the biggest takeaway I took was that finals game because like you said, that the, the for a lot of those players on this team before this Big East Championship run, none of them got to the tournament before. So it was new to everybody. And you can kind of tell in those first two games, there was some definite nerves. Um, whether it was in that DePaul series being down and then making the comeback and then fighting through the adversity against the first Villanova game where they, um, Villanova ties it up late and Seton Hall comes back and wins it miraculously. Um, then watching that Yukon game, I had no doubt once they went up early that they were gonna close it out. And then even in that Nova game, that last one for the finals, uh, me and Joe in the studio, and once they went up, we kind of figured, oh, this is this is over. Like there, we're there's a big East new Big East championship champion here. Um, just because as as like a watcher or someone taking it in, you were nervous at the beginning of the tournament, and then as the tournaments got on, watching it, you're like you got more confident with this team being able to come back from any adversity that they saw and be able to win.
1: And hen, uh, let me also add one thing, I and correct me if I'm wrong, Scene Hall when they beat Nova in the championship five to one. Not like Justin said, not only did there was not only was there not any doubt, but Villanova was the defending champion, I believe, two years in a row, too. Correct me if yes, I'm wrong. Yes. So you talk about a team that's as as seasoned as Villanova. And we know how great their athletics are to go into a championship game. And let's call it like it is Own every fast for that game. That says a lot about Coach Churchill and the players about how prepared they were. They did their homework on Villanova and they routed them in that game. At least it felt like that. I guess you could say a five run game isn't a total blowout, but watching and listening to that game, Seaton Hall, they were on top the entire time and you knew they were going to win. So that's, 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 that just goes to show you how prepared the team and Coach Churchill were for that big
0: game. Yeah. It really felt like, I mean, Seaton Hall put the game away. Obviously there's still a lot of game left, but It really felt like they put the game away in that second inning when they had four ones. But I want to take it back because, you know, obviously I had the experience of being there and gracious to be able to call for W S U with John McCooch who, you know, is now graduating now. But I remember we were sit we were at we were it was like the sixth inning at that the Paul game and we were thinking in our heads one, we were like they're gonna be sent down to the elimination bracket. but we were also thinking, were we gonna be traveling all the way up to get sent back down in that same night? Because The way it was going on, we were going to have to travel, you know, we were traveling that same night if they ended up not winning. They ended up didn't securing, uh, you know, the win, but I remember we were just thinking like, are they going to build up, you know, they're going to get this three seed, they're going to have this miraculous run and then, you know, it can happen in any tournament, you know, you lose, you have a, you have a slow day and then you have a slow day, you end up having a slow game. It really can throw, rattle everything off, but really ever since that, ever since that sixth inning against DePaul where they, their offense was just clicking. They had, you know, they had the five runs in those two innings against DePaul. They had nine against Nova. They had, I believe, six against UConn. other the offense just was clicking ever since that DePaul game. But they were able to pull through. And I think the moment for me when I, when we really were like they can actually win this was that Vil- that first Villanova game. They were on the precipice of winning it in regulation. Test sites who you know, was the biggest player of the year, uh, two outs, you know, bottom of the seventh inning, hits a, a home run opposite field to tie it all up. And I, I kind of remember, I don't know, I don't know if I know if consider an ounce of shanks, but I was, I said, I was like, there was no one else you'd want up in the situation if you're Villanova. And she ended up hitting opposite field. But then Shelby Smith came back in the bottom of the ninth inning, hit a three run homer that put the game away. And then they end up winning against UConn in convincing fashion, and then they ended up being Villanova also in convincing fashion. And another thing, another great moment I remember from that tournament was it's before Villanova in the championship game. And you know, we're we we were doing the interview with Coach Churchill, and I just remember watching her beforehand. She was so like obviously she she was anxious because it was the first time she was able, regardless of even seeing home, but herself individually coaching to win a uh a conference tournament in a decade. So she hadn't been, she hadn't won in this position in a in a while as a coach. And I remember she was like, she was kind of, you could tell she was a bit antsy. And she, when she was done, she's like, are we done with the interview now? And, she, and we were like, yeah, we were. And then I remember as we were heading out, they, we do a the celebration. They do the celebration. They're on the field. We, you know, get stuff. And I remember right before, as we were leaving, Coach Churchill comes over to us. She puts her head or her hand and her head on the pad. If you ever seen the Jimmy Butler bubble meme, it, it looked exactly like that. And she was like, <laughs> "We did it! We did it!" And she was—you could tell she was just so relieved to finally get it done and win that Big East championship because it meant to her meant not only to seen Hall and her coaching Scene Hall what she had done, but just individually to finally get over that hump once again and win a conference tournament. And I mean, great experience. And now we're gonna shift over. To the NCAA tournament, Joe, you were you went down with our sports director, Michael Federico, down to Texas. And I want to say this. I you know, obviously the end of the season didn't really go the way Scall expected, but I really don't think it's a that shouldn't be used as an example of their entire season. They obviously won 40 games. They broke the I think the, the program record first ones in the season. They won the Big East Championship, multiple individual records broken. In my opinion, I remember watching the uh, the selection show before, and I was like, wow, this is going to be a tough draw. I mean, you look at who they played. Texas, who was the, at the time the runner-ups last year, the reigning runner-up champs last year, Big 12 school, I I don't know how many spots they fell in the actual tournament. I remember they were like a uh, top 10 seed playing Oklahoma in the Big 12 tournament, and obviously they didn't. And I remember watching them in the selection show. Everyone was happy, celebrating them making it or the draw. And they were just deadpan staring at the screen like they were obviously they were mad that they got this this scene. They thought they deserved a higher seating because of the reputation last year and how well they played this year. And I mean, the draw was unfortunate for Scene Hall. They're playing in Texas as the only non-Texas school, which, you know, and then obviously in the tournament, they kind of, you know, they couldn't get it done. But, Joe, I'll start with you since you obviously were there and you have more first-hand experience. Kind of break down what you saw in that NCAA tournament.
1: Well, it, it, like you said, it starts with the the selection show, and yes, I think Texas was snub. It's the number eighteen number eight team in the country. They play in the same conference as as Oklahoma, and I mean, you don't have to be a, a huge softball fan to know how good Oklahoma softball is. So it was a tough draw for them, and they were angry. And it was also, like you said, three other Texas teams. Two of which were in the top twenty-five in the internal softball rankings, and I don't think Texas State, who they played in game two, is that um, that far down either because they received an at-large bid as well. So they didn't even win their conference in the Sun Belt. So there were three teams who were very good and play softball all year round. They're able to train in the winter, and then there was Seton Hall, as we know the the, the school from Jersey, who you know we um, don't have the same the same way of training that these other softball schools do. And we talked about it a lot on the broadcast because these guys can, or these, these girls can train all year long. They can play games all year long. So there's an inherent disadvantage there, but Hall didn't complain. They went down to Texas and struggled in the first game against um, the Longhorns, which again, number eight team in the country. Uh, they're, they're very good. But then in the Texas state game, like I said, that large team from the Sun Belt, a very good softball program. They play with them. They led the game until the fifth inning. That was one of the better performances I've seen from Seton Hall all year against a a really really good softball school. Kelsey Carr had a huge home run in the fourth inning that that got them going, and she pitched phenomenal phenomenally as well. And like they have all year, they they fought to the very end. They loaded the bases in the seventh inning, down a run couldn't come through, but it was still one of the more impressive performances I've seen all year long. But the whole experience down in Texas for Seton Hall was was just amazing. I mean, like you said, they played with three Texas schools. They had to travel all that way. But they didn't complain. They fall all the way through. And to to, to speak to your thing, Hen, about Coach Churchill in the championship game uh, during the interview, she was the same with us. You know, she's so locked in. And so she she's such a competitor. She wants to win every game, obviously, and everything is so important. But in the end, I mean, I remember – I'll never forget it. where in the post-game interview right afterwards. Uh, she, she was the most proud of this school or this program more than any other program she's coached. This is, you know – one of the, the best jobs I've seen, at least in uh, in collegiate sports, and they have everything to be proud of. It was an unbelievable run. It didn't end the way they wanted to in Texas, but they have nothing to be ashamed of. They got this far. They play with these great programs, and it was an all-around great experience for the program to experience this and take it into next year where they can learn and and, and adjust when you play big-time schools like they saw down in Texas.
2: Yeah, Joe, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The, the tournament was like gravy at Thanksgiving where you were able to get some a little extra softball in. Yeah, it wasn't a great bid and it was going to be a tough battle. They knew that going into that, but they, they played as best they could. They played their hearts out as they always do. Um, and just that I, I thought in the Texas state game, they were going to have a chance to, to come back with, like you said, bases loaded with the magic we saw in the big East tournament. I thought there was a chance of maybe a little bit more magic rubbing off here in the um, in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that's not to be, but there's a lot to be proud of here. Like Ryan, you you said um, with the records they they broke this year uh, individually and as a team. Th- this is nothing to be like. This is an accomplishment as its own just to get to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, with the um, big uh, big Big East tournament win, uh, you got there, but it's gravy and it must have been a dream from come true for those uh, girls because that that's the pinnacle reaching the NCAA tournament, getting an opportunity to play against some of the best teams uh, in the country and seeing where uh, you stack up. And they were pretty close in that Texas state game. Obviously a really, really mad Texas um, team in that first game, but nothing to be disappointed about. And it should be exciting next year because then now they have something to build off of uh, from what they did uh, this past year.
1: And had, may also add one thing about how big of an adjustment is to play against those schools. You guys know we call games, they're very fast moving. There's not a lot of downtime in between innings. But ESPN plus there, and so is ESPN for the game before Seton Hall on the second day. They have two and a half to three minute commercial breaks and watching Kelsey Carr go out after every inning and do her warm pitches in about, you know, forty five seconds or a minute and then getting ready to pitch. There's a person on the field holding everybody up saying, hold on, there's still a minute or a minute and a half left of commercials. Um, and they had to wait. It's just a huge adjustment for, uh, for Seton Hall because they're not used to this type of, um, of attention and this type of, of, of coverage that you don't really see up here. So that just that itself was a huge difference for Seton Hall going down to Texas and, and seeing that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, pitching especially getting in like kind of a groove is everything we're seeing it really in the major leagues as well with the pitch clock where a lot and it's kind of the inverse effect you're saying so you know scene halls used to kind of rapid going through you know one minute like one minute minute 30 like you know breaks in between innings or in between half innings and you're back out on the field but here you're sending about a minute and it's kind of throwing everything off now you're either warming up a- more or you're like kind of your groove. you kind of get thrown out of your groove, and we we kind of saw that in the texas game where they really struggled and then they they kind of adapted a bit more they just couldn't get over the hump in the texas state game and it's interesting seeing that from the inverse perspective because obviously in major league baseball not to sidetrack too much but we're seeing as they're you know kind of getting thrown off their groove where they have to pitch quicker and they're getting in their flow quicker we've seen a lot of these pitchers who are quote-unquote aces really kind of who were great last year struggled this year, like Sandy Alcantara and Alcmanoa, but I don't want to get on that tangent right now, but it's just interesting because flow is everything to, to them. And when your flow gets interrupted, it can lead to bad results sometimes. So obviously Seton Hall, miraculous season, 42 and 18, um uh, won the big East championship, but I want to spotlight some individual players. We've talked a bit about Kelsey Carr, and I think that's the, I want to start with her first, because she obviously won, she was obviously first team, all Big East selection, Big East Pitcher of the Year, but her story, you know, obviously she came in as a freshman in 2021, she was good, and then she got hurt, she did not, she did not play the entire season, and then she comes back and and plays even better, her hitting improves, her pitching improves, she's the best pitcher in the Big East. and Just talk about the season she she had and also just in perspective to the obstacles she had to overcome in her sophomore season and then come back her junior season even better.
1: Yeah, it's an an amazing comeback story to to be the Big East pitcher of the year and perform at a high level that she did after coming off of a a pretty rough injury that held her out for some time. Uh, A stat that I thought was pretty cool, and we learned this on the fly in Texas, when she hit her two-run home run in the fourth inning. She tied the single season, um, RBI, uh, lead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm losing my words. She tied the single season RBI lead with, um, I'm blanking on who it was, but, um, the, the person who she tied it with was actually in Austin. So she had 50 RBIs and was on the cusp of, of breaking through and becoming the single season RBI leader and it kind of went under the radar and she didn't really acknowledge it either until after the game um but we learned about it on the fly i thought that was pretty cool because in addition to her pitching in addition to being the biggest pitcher of the year she can rake she really can she's she's as good of a hitter as she is a pitcher and it's so important to have players like that too in softball on both sides of the ball just goes to show you how great of a player she is
2: yeah, and overcoming last year's injury and even overcoming some of the injuries she had this past season with her foot. Um, she was, she had uh, kind of like almost a stress fracture in her foot for the majority of the year where she was like kind of battling through, I shouldn't say a, stress, a full stress fracture, but like kind of something where she was dealing with a, a nagging injury in her foot and just really being able to overcome that within a span of a, a two year span of having, um, a really serious injury her sophomore year than having, uh, this her past year, just really just overcoming any adversary that came her way and really being able to dominate. And she showed throughout the tournament and the regular season that she could carry this team. When this team was in offensive slumps, she was able to put the team on their back with um offensive production. And then uh, same on the pitching side. If they needed a shutdown inning, Kelsey Carr was someone that they would call on um out of the bullpen to really stop the bleeding, per se, and be able to Win those games, those close games. So, a lot. It's going to be exciting to see what she can do next year, um, as a senior. We'll get that to that in a little bit. But what she can actually do, like fully healthy, um, and see what how much how much more talent she can display on the uh, on the softball field.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned the stress factor because I remember from, you know, obviously you're seeing the team before when you're at UConn. You would see her walk around in a boot. So she it wasn't like it was just a stress track. She'd be in a boot, which, I mean, obviously, if you've ever, you know, if you ever injured your foot yourself or if you've ever seen sports, athletes usually in a boot, boot aren't even playing. Like, so she would, you know, obviously be in the boot, walk around in it when the team wasn't practicing or playing, and then she would get off of it and just dominate. So to have an injury that at least, you know, immobilized her foot to the extent to where she's wearing a walking boot and then being able to kind of still – flip that switch and just dominate. I mean, it speaks to her kind of endurance uh, and her her perseverance as an athlete. And then, like we said, it wasn't the fact that she got back to her form from her freshman year. She increased across the board in her junior year. So to go from a season and injury and then to play with a stress fracture and play even better to be considered one of the you know top players in the biggies, the best pitcher in the biggies, who, like you said, Justin, Whenever the scene, whenever scene hall needed an out or needed a couple outs, they they trusted Kelsey Carr as the pitcher to get them out of those situations, and more times than not, she would deliver in those situations. And going to the comment Joe made about pitchers who rake, I want to switch over to the other pitcher who raked for the scene hall Pirates this year, Shelby Smith, another first team All Big selection, was the Big East most outstanding player of the tournament, breaking the single seat, single game. RBI record against Villanova with seven in the in their nine and six victory. She had obviously that three run homer, multiple extra base hits, was dominant on both both in the batter's box and in the circle. Now last year we saw her; she was really the you know she was one of two pitchers for the team last year, her and Cindy Babbic. But I remember Kel- Shelby Smith would be an innings eater. Did, obviously, with you know Kelsey Carr coming back and Kira uh you know, towards the beginning of the year. They really. She wasn't as much of an innings eater. She still could pitch extended innings if she had to. I remember she did in the Big East tournament, but she wasn't consistently pitching, you know, double digit innings in a weekend series. But what have you seen her from this year and how she how she maintained that form from her 2022 season to her 2023 season?
1: She did. She simply just carried it over, and that's where she had all that success from. Just getting older and 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 practicing your craft will make you better at it. And she was tasked with being the the senior of the of the staff. She was there for, like you said, uh, Kira Kruiser to be to 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 either be a mentor, or just talk to, and and it's important to have that that senior member who's been through the Big East and knows what it's like to pitch here. And, and to have that on your team is super important. And to act like that just goes to show you how, how good of a, of a teammate you can be. But the year she had was, was just phenomenal. Right behind Kelsey Carr, like you said, in the, the, uh, the big, uh, the most outstanding player in the Big East tournament. And Seton Hall's one, two punch. And we know we talked about Carr already, but having Shelby Smith right behind her in that, in a weekend series, you feel very good in uh, in the first two games if you have Carr and and Smith back to back and we saw it in Texas also game one of the of the NCAA regional wasn't Kelsey Carr it was Shelby Smith and that's the kind of luxury that coach Churchill had this year of picking and choosing when she can go to her two aces
2: yeah that is for sure and like seeing her at the Big East tournament she was she was the hot hand that Uh, coach Churchill really used throughout the whole tournament. She was the starter for majority of those games. And you can tell she wanted that moment and knowing going quickly back to Kelsey Carr, knowing that if Shelby had an off day being able to put in Kelsey Carr to relieve, it's incredible having that one, two punch, but just looking at some of her stats this year for Shelby Smith going both ways, 2.87 ERA, 148 and two thirds of an innings. Absolutely. Just eating up innings wherever she could and it's just incredible to see the amount of innings she put in with that low of an earned run average um, and just showing that her complete dominance, especially in the Big East tournament when they needed her most. And like like you said, Ryan, having the, the most valuable player in the Big East tournament, it was all deserved with what she did at the plate and in the circle, just dominating hitters and just crushing balls whenever she could. Yeah.
0: And I want to spotlight something because obviously, you know, her dominance on two way, but you know, I, I mentioned how last year, the 2022 season, she'd be an innings eater. And I just want to spotlight this performance from this little stretch of her during the big East tournament. Her overall tournament was amazing, but just this little stretch was absurd. So the, the first game against DePaul, you know, uh, Kelsey Carr gives up, um, Gives up four runs in the four, two, two more runs in the sixth inning. So it's a, so they're down four nothing. Shelby Smith comes in for relief, pitches two scoreless innings, only allowed one hit and three strikeouts. And, and then she goes, pitches in the next game against Villanova doesn't pitch a complete game. No, she pitches in a complete game plus two extra innings. So 11 innings in a two day stretch and ob- obviously down on the mound as well. Only five hits allowed, seven K's in nine innings of work. And then obviously she also had the seven RBIs and multiple extra base hits, including that that go-ahead home run. But, I mean, the fact that she was able, in that two-day stretch, pitch 11 innings with a really impressive softball, and then also go out and rake, I mean, that was just a microcosm of her entire year, and really what's been a microcosm of her entire career here at Scene Hall. And the last player I want to spotlight, obviously, the trifecta of the Big East, the all first team Hall Big East selections. Abby Wingo, who broke the season, the scene hall single season hits record, was the biggest defensive player of the year. Almost batted four hundred, and it, it was kind of surprising because Abby Wingo had always been a good player, but she she just took a leap. I mean, you know, I don't know how many people expected before the season. She didn't even. I remember we talked. I was talking to her a bit before uh, one of the games, uh, like during the Big East tournament. She was she even shocked the leap that she took from. That year, this year, she—I remember—she saying she played a lot more stress-free, and which helped her out. But she was the best hitter, or one of the best hitters, in the entire country, and she broke all sorts of records for the Seton hall Pirates.
1: And she was their best hitter at times, and and when there was a big spot and Abby Wingo was coming up, you knew she was getting it done. And in the post-game presser after after the Texas State game, she mentioned how she had a uh, a moment where she was like, okay. Um, she made a little adjustment and now she can hit almost anything. And that's what was her, that was her approach. To the plate was I can go up to the plate. I can see a pitcher really well and I can hit almost anything. And when you have that, like you said, Hen, a very stress-free approach, good things are going to happen. And that really worked out for Abby Wingo. She had a, she, she did a phenomenal job manning center, uh, center field as well. I think it's one thing that people don't talk about was how amazing her defense was, uh, I, I, the the fielding percentage was up around 995, if not higher than that. She was almost flawless out there in the outfield, and was a staple in center field all year long. That's one side of the ball that people don't talk about. But Abby Wingo, if you want to talk about someone that led the 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 team as a whole, Abby Wingo is definitely a candidate for that. Her presence in the lineup will will definitely be missed in the future.
2: Yeah, that is for sure. Batting usually fifth. In that starting lineup, usually behind Shelby, then Kelsey, then her, you knew that she was always going to get on base somehow, some way. Whether it was a hit that scooches through the infield grass because she had pretty amazing speed as well, uh, or it was she had some power too with six home runs on the year. Um, so just her overall presence in the lineup, whether it was defensively and or and or offensively, she was just that rock in the center of the lineup. Um that was just very reliable throughout the whole year. Uh And like you said, George, it's going to be very missed. And I just want to touch on that, that part you said about just playing stress-free that this whole team played stress-free. And that was one of the mantras that they uh talked about at the beginning of their year was just, um, having fun and just remembering it's a game. Like it's supposed to be fun. Let's not stress about the little things. Let's play this game and have fun while doing it. And you can see up and down this lineup, especially with some of their star players like an Abby Wingo, like Kelsey Carr, like Shelby Smith, not having to really stress about having to carry this whole team and being relaxed and stress free and being able to play a game that they've loved since they've been little and going out and having fun. And it can, sh- it shows throughout this whole whole team statistically and winning the big East tournament.
0: Yeah. When you can really play in that fresh, uh, stress-free state, it really unlocks everything. And I remember that, you know, the team, like you said, Justin, just was loose, played with a loose attitude all the time. And it brought, when you're in that kind of relaxed state and obviously you're winning as well, confidence is up across the board and it just overall leads to a better product and just, I mean, Abby Wingo was the epitome of that. Obviously, 2020, uh, 2023 was a great season for her. And, you know, really getting to cap off her career as as scene hall pirate, just sensational. And I want to obviously, you know, scene hall team was great. Scene hall roster was big East championships, but it also had some seniors who are, you know, graduating. I think the most notable are obviously Shelby Smith and Abby Wingo, the two. Big East uh, first team all Big East selections, and actually, and then Ashley Collinetta, who was a lockdown at second base for multiple years, she was kind of that bottom of the order speed speed option where you know she could lay down a bunch. She was good defensively. So, what are your eyes? Who do you think is going to kind of step in in those roles to replace Shelby Smith in the rotation and in the batter's box, Abby Wingo in the field, and then Colinetta in the middle of the infield? Do you have a couple of players you like to spotlight as potential replacements?
1: Well, for Shelby, just based on who's on the roster right now, it's probably Kira Kruger, and you expect that, that, that Sydney will move into that two spot on, on, on Saturdays. So you expect that Kira will be on, uh, that, that, that number three spot on, uh, on the Sundays. Um, one player that's been talked about a lot internally about, you know, taking the reins and, and having an everyday job in the outfield is, uh, is Lauren Kai, who was used as a pinch runner a lot this year, but, um, she's gonna, Slot in there and, 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 and get some meaningful at bats in the outfield. But I fully expect, uh, Seton Hall to use this, uh, this fall and this winter to test out a bunch of stuff and, 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 and their new recruits coming in, see what they have and then formulate, all right, who's going to take spots or take the spots of some really pivotal players. And like you said, Shelby and, and, uh, and Abby, just those are tough players to replace. It's not going to be easy. And it's not like an overnight thing where you can just find these players out of nowhere, but Sea Hall does have the right people in charge and the right people on the on the on the roster to fill the spots and get right back to it next year with hopefully another trip to the big East tournament
2: yeah, that is for sure. One person I want to highlight is Taylor Hill, who Joe we talked about it in that Big East championship game how I think one of the breaks we talked about it uh how if Abby Wingo wasn't in the start it wasn't starting every day. Taylor Hill would have the single season hit record. That's how good of a season she had this year. The amount of hits. She had 67 hits on the year. Um, batted 356. She's going to be, she's going to be that impactful player in the middle of the lineup to really scratch across hits uh, offensively. And she had a really good time in the outfield as well, uh, out in right field with a nine, uh, 989 fielding percentage. So she's someone that, uh, is gonna take a step with uh Wingo not being around and I can't agree with you more about Lauren Ka um being able to be that other piece in the outfield uh, a lot of high hopes with her and and internally and then looking to see what recruits come in there's a lot a lot to be done in this fall, a lot to be done in this summer like those recruits are still playing summer ball probably uh they're gonna be improving throughout. Um, so it'd be it's gonna be interesting to see where this team turns. A lot of a lot of familiar faces though that will still be throughout this lineup. Obviously, big faces will be missing, but it's gonna be interesting to see how Coach Churchill puts this team together next year for another a strong run.
0: Yeah, and it's gonna be interesting because I agree with you, Joe. I think the two players to look out for are Keir Crusier, who would would play pitched a decent amount in the beginning of the season, but then. As uh Coach Churchill kind of shortened her rotation to Carr, uh Carr, uh Smith and Babbick, and then really just became Carr and Smith uh come playoff time. Kier get a lot more run time, either as that the uh, hit SP two or three, depending on how her and Sydney Babic perform. And then another thing to keep keep note of, I think Lauren Kai will probably slot in some of the outfield, but I wonder what happens with Taylor Hill, because Taylor Hill played right field because Andrea Perez was in shortstop, and Taylor Hill, you you know, during her Big East Freshman of the Year campaign, was the shortstop. So I'm wondering, does Coach Churchill opt to keep her in the corner outfield spot, or does she slide her back in the middle infield at second base just because Taylor Hill is familiar with that? And then you can throw Lauren Kai at right field or in the corner outfield where she played her freshman season, and then you have someone maybe more defensive center fielder, or do you opt with Taylor Hill still in the outfield you slot Lauren High to the uh, center field because we know she's played outfield before. She has the speed because she was, you know, the the prime, one of the primary pitch runners. It'll be interesting to see how Curtis Churchill evaluates that. But I assume Lauren High will get a lot more run time. She was great to start her freshman season 2022. And then the way the lineup shook out, you know, there really wasn't a spot for her to be an everyday hitter. But I think she has a talent to be an everyday hitter. And I think she will get her opportunity first just because I think she has earned in that right just because of her previous work. But it will be interesting to see, you know, because I think there's two players who can fill in two different positions. It'll just be a matter of what Coach Churchill opts for. And then a couple more things before we wrap up today's episode. Obviously, seen Hall, 40 wins, Big East champions. You're keeping a lot of your team. You are losing some key seniors, but you still have Kelsey Carr, Taylor Hill, uh, you know, Olivia Gilberham, Alexander. You still have a lot of key pieces. You're losing some. What does Coach Churchill do from here to build upon, you know, this season and replicate that success and show, you know, the Big East Conference and the softball world that 2023 was an outlier, that seen all softball is a legitimate contender?
1: It's very simple. It's very cl- cliche. Do a lot of the same exact thing. Uh, don't, don't you know, w- w- the, the, the phrase is don't uh, – don't, uh, change it if it ain't broken or if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's what coach Churchill, uh, coach Churchill is going to, uh, to go off of next year. And we talked about it a little bit after the, the, the NCAA tournament about what kind of program Seton Hall is now that they had this, this bid to Texas and, and, and played in game two. And it kind of puts Seton Hall in the mouth a little bit in the Northeast. And it, that's what, that's, that's all you need really is one, one year like this to put yourself on the map and you might have some recruits coming your way. So coach Churchill needs in this is only year two also, which I think is amazing. It's, all this is done in just two years here. It really goes to show you how great coach Churchill is, but just continue doing what you're doing and, and, and good things will happen. And like we saw from coach Churchill in her first two years, I think she knows how to recruit. She knows how to assemble a program, and she knows how to push the right buttons in-game and also off the field when it comes to building a lineup or building a rotation. She knows what she's doing. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and keep going, Coach Churchill, because it's worked.
2: Joe, I couldn't agree with you more again, but also uh Philadelphia 76ers GM said trust the process and just keep on building within, Uh keeping that culture alive, like that stress-free culture. Obviously, there's a target on your back for these Seton Hall Pirates as the ch- reigning champions, but as long as Coach Churchill keeps the mantra of staying relaxed and having fun while playing this game, it's not going to seem as big as a target and, it, and staying relaxed during those games. And I, I think, as you said, Joe, there, there's a, a a school that wasn't on the map before Uh, this season that now is and that's the Seton Hall Pirates and recruits are going to want to play here because of what coach Churchill was able to do within just two seasons and they're going to want to have that same success so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what type type of recruits uh, she brings in uh, this upcoming season and for years prior because this this program is going nowhere
0: yes trust the process indeed Seton Hall Ari got their championship on, like, the team in Philadelphia, so hopefully they can kind of keep things up there. And one last thing before we wrap up this episode, obviously a season to remember for Seton Hall softball. Give me a quick rundown. What was your favorite memory or moment from this team this year?
1: My, mine is a cluster of a bunch, and and it starts with the, the, the fans of Seton Hall who, putting basketball aside— when there is a really good team in town, how they rally around and, and they support the players in these programs. I'll use some personal things for an example. When Seton Hall's playing on FS2 or they're playing in the Big East tournament or they're in Texas, I have my phone you know, going nuts about, oh my goodness, I love watching Kelsey Carr play or I, I love watching Taylor Hill out there in, in right field. It's how well that people, it's, it's how well people really rally around teams. And Justin, I, 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 see it a lot with, with swim as well. The, the, the natatorium gets really loud at times. I remember calling the Georgetown, uh, match, uh, meet, excuse me. And, uh, that place gets loud and it got loud a lot at Ivy Hill. It was loud up in stores and you could attest to that. And the sea of blue in Austin, Texas was like nothing I've seen before. So the way that the Seton Hall fan body travels and the way they rally around great teams that whole thing this year for me was one of the cooler things i've ever seen especially in my first year of college to see you know this really small school in south orange new jersey grow into this big blue monster it was it was really cool to see it play out all all spring long
2: yeah joe and getting to see that as an athlete those fans come out it's a great it's a great momentum booster and you kind of saw that as this softball team kind of started on their run, more and more fans came out because they knew the success uh, that they had. And I love seeing that as an athlete, seeing other, other people support other teams, whether it's my own team or others throughout the campus, I think memory wise for me, um, and it was the, the Villanova game when they won nine, one in five and it's pouring rain and we are a, uh, We're out there sitting in the rain broadcasting the game. They don't know if they're going to want to play it. And Villanova wants to cancel the game because there's so much on the line, um, for them because they were fighting for first place of the regular season for the regular season title. And Villanova coach is like, no, we should cancel. And Angie Churchill is coach Churchill, I should say. It's like, no, we have to play. And once that rain stopped, it it just the offense took off and they got the nine one mercy rule victory. Uh, Just that, just that atmosphere watching, um, the girls in the outfield in the pouring rain playing hacky sack, uh, just having a good time and just going with the flow and just just the whole season as a whole was fun to watch. But that game in particular was something that I'll never forget. Just sitting out there in the rain calling that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the fans really came out to support. And I remember, I forget when they started doing, but I remember seeing Hall with uh, the official Scene Hall Twitter account. And I've just like seen Hall Athletics or seen Hall Softball. I remember seeing Hall. The official account said. Is Seton Hall a softball school? They they put that they put that poll out. And I remember Michael Stan, who's one of our members, got like did a little Photoshop edit that got either liked or retweeted by the account, which was pretty cool. But I mean, my favorite moment has to be just the entire Big East tournament. I mean, me and John McCooch uh, got to go up to stores, Connecticut. He's one of my he's one of my closest friends from WSU my time at seen Hall the fact that we were on a travel up there I mean it was a weird travel up there because I don't know if you if any well anyone here in the story might not know but I remember I busted my knee like three hours before we were supposed to leave I was I was getting out of his car and um you know I he, he he can't his door didn't open so I had to climb out through the front and I lost my footing and it's still actually not even fully healed which is kind of absurd but you know I I, I busted my knee bad so I'm driving three hours with a gauze on my knee and then we obviously go to we get to the stores hotel, which was you know great i mean great people all around stores Connecticut, and the hotel was nice and just being on the UConn campus because it's not it's not like any other big East school really because it's a state school you know there's a whole like town just within the campus itself, and then obviously the softball was great there was comeback wins, there was great moments they won the whole tournament, but just that overall feel of them winning the the vibe at stores Connecticut being with one of my great friends. I mean, it, it, nothing could have beaten it. It was a great way to really cap off this, you know, school year as well, because it kind of coincided with when we were wrapping up everything. So unless you guys have any other thoughts, I think we can wrap up today's episode of Pirate Recap for your 2023 Big East champions. So I'll do it for us here at WSU Sports. I'm Ryan. Once again, I'm Ryan Henry joined alongside Justin Osterich and Joe Morales here for Pirate Recap. Stay tuned to next week's episode and for all of our other podcasts. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at.
2: For me, Ryan Henry, have a nice day. Take care and stay safe.